It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Straight season since uh, that uh, July 4th, 2012, when Ryan Suter and JP uh, Zach Parisi were signed uh, the uh, Wild have made the playoffs, and they had missed uh, three out of four years, something like that, beforehand. Everything was kind of fading for them. Their season ticket base was going down. They had, had lots of empty seats, lots of unsold tickets at the end of the 2011-12 season. That was Yo's first year, right? That the was, last time they missed the playoffs? Yes. And that was the team that, after 30 games, had the best, had record, the best in record in the league. And then they think... <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I remember writing a column about this. I think in their last 52 games, they had seven regulation victories. I mean, they, they were just awful Oof. that year. And entertain, non-entertaining awful. They didn't score any goals either. It wasn't yeah. like they were ever losing 7-2. to two. It was like, Wasn't like Brodziak like their leading scorer oh, that yeah. year or it something was just like that? Pathetic. Yeah. And uh, I remember that day that uh, we were so excited by it, the Judd and I came in to do a special edition of Sports Talk that day. On 4th of July. On 4th of July. Was it a Saturday? It, well, no, it was during the week, and I only know that because I was uh, in the backyard grilling, and I thought, these two idiots went into work today. <laughs> yes, and uh, we got we got <laughs> Leopold on, and uh, it was it was great. Well, well people, people were jacked. It was oh, a big oh, darn it was deal. Crazy. Well, it was. Look at it. Yeah. They haven't. They've averaged 102 percent of capacity since they now. And the the fact of the matter is, you didn't play until January, right? That was the yes, lockout. Yes, that was the last right. lockout. So they only played 48 games, I think, uh, that season. Mm-hmm. But they made yep. the playoffs, and uh, they are going to make the playoffs again. They made them last night. They beat Edmonton 3-0. Shut out McDavid. Shut out Edmonton with the uh, collection of defensemen. No Spurgeon. No Suter now. Uh, and they, the collection of defensemen, they dominated them. They beat them 3-0. So they are in the playoffs after Colorado got beat on the, on the, uh, uh, later on on the West Coast. I can't remember. Anaheim or and somebody. Last beat night I thought was the, really the first game that Doobie made a really big difference because a, a lot of times, you know, he's a product of what's in front of him, but he made a couple of fantastic saves last night in that game. I know in, in the first period, look, McDavid had, he had an opportunity, and Parisi took him down as soon as uh, Dubnik robbed him. But uh, Devin was really good last night. Uh, and uh, Will uh, Reavers was yes. uh, very excited. That's huh? just, this is the power that you're talking about, Patrick. My <laughs> six-year-old son is now converted. Every morning, he's got to ask me how mm-hmm. the Wild did tonight or 
who are the Wild playing tonight? It's uh, a daily my, uh, conversation. My seven-year-old grandson was, uh, no, they had not played yet. The game was getting ready to start when I saw him last night. And he was a little down about the suitor injury. Oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah, he's he got to be heartbroken. He was upset about that because he's a very uh, big Wild fan, too. Uh, half the time, I think he goes to school. He wears some kind of a Wild jersey or something. I'm not who he, I think he's a Parisi guy. Boy, by the way, Parisi, who we were basically writing off, mm-hmm. On select morning shows that should not be mentioned, co-hosts of select morning shows pretty much didn't know if he was going to play again because of the back, right? He's been great. Early in the season, he scored, uh, he's averaging a point a game here, and he's getting he's got seven goals in the last ten games or something. Well, and like you that. wonder, too, because the, the play I was talking about earlier where he took down McDavid right after uh, Connor McDavid shot the puck at Dubnik, you wonder if that's a play he would attempt to make but back before when he was coming back from the back injury. Well, he's he's playing very well. Uh, they're doing good. Now, uh, Randball and Chris Hine, who's our new analytical guy and what used to cover the Blackhawks, they have supplanted me on page two of the Sunday Tribune. I used to be down at the bottom underneath Sid. Now mm-hmm. I'm on the side and Sid's up there because Hine and Rand take views of a topic and and mm-hmm. Hein looks at it kind of analytically and re, and Rand as a as a fan and they both I think it was this week they both were kind of lamenting the fact that the NHL has this playoff system where it's not like 1 through 8 in the Western Conference but the top 3 but the second and third teams in each division play each other mm-hmm. and uh, it's not based on points and I think they're completely full of BS and anyone who's whining about it is crazy. The Wild and the Winnipegs, right now the rivalry is a bunch of drunken Canadians stumbling up and down uh, West 7th Street <laughs> before they play here. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. As far as the emotion of the rivalry, there's nothing. Now they're going to play each other. You're the closest Proximity of anybody in the league. It's what, seven hours? You, you got yep. more of their fans showing up here than show up for the Blackhawks. And uh, they're going to play six or seven games. It'll be a good, good close series. And after that, you have a rivalry. How can anybody not want this? How can anybody want to say... Okay, let's. We'd rather play Nashville or. I agree with you, but but what if there's the thought that Vegas is or whoever pick your team because Winnipeg's a really good team. If you're looking at it strictly on the odds of you advancing to the well, next that's round, that's your problem. You got to beat them but, anyway. But yeah. but that's the argument to be made. Is I, guess I know what I'm trying that's to say. the argument to be made. What what gives us the best chance to advance is not an argument to me. The argument is what's the best for the creating rivalries in these divisions. Oh, I What's agree. What's the best? I, and I, that's why the NHL did it. And by the way, with all the abuse Batman gets, they've been pretty damn smart with this. First of all, they're given the free point. So everybody looks at the standings and say, well, we weren't that rotten. Mm-hmm. We uh, And we're still in it. Yeah, but yeah we're, uh, you know, we were 34 and 48. But when you throw in... 
the euphoria Twelve points. Ties. Yeah. yeah, we look pretty good, right? Well, that <laughs> we're only two games under teams. 500. Yeah, we were only two. The well, one year the Wild lost like 11 more games than they won, and they said they were over 500. Well, that and look <laughs> at right now. You've got three games to go in the season. There's still a whole bunch of playoff seedings to be decided in the seedings bottom of the West. Yeah, but the the Wild are going to be playing Winnipeg, and anyone who doesn't like that is a big sissy and <laughs> is not looking at. You want to create this rivalry with Winnipeg because they're kind of a young team, pretty good. They're going to be good for a while, and you've you've been pretty good for a while here. Go for it! Yeah. Come on, let's go. Especially Bring you got a, you have a couple of Minnesota kids on that club. Sure, yeah. you got Wheeler. He'll come down and agitate people. And uh, is it Bufflin? Buff, is it, you got the big Bufflin's from Minnesota. He'll take a cheap shot at somebody. Sure. Yeah, and well, it'll be great. It'll be great. And, and Wild in Winnipeg. This is this is optimum. This is better than the Blackhawks. And haven't we learned by now too that you know maybe the Wolves being matched up with like Golden State or Houston would be the exception? But haven't yeah. we learned that you can't really? Yeah. Last you can't year. say, well, we'd last rather play year. this we'd rather play this year, team because oh, we got good. a better chance of beating them. Last year, oh good, we get to play the blues. Yeah. Okay, you lost in five. Okay. And then a certain sports talk host made it his profile Plus, picture in the background. Let's face it, we all like Tom Reed. And I think Tom Reed deserves three home games with four thousand drunken Canadians trying they to get will in drink his bar. Tommy Reed out yes, of alcohol. Run out of alcohol. <laughs> there won't be any they won't have a chicken finger left on West Seventh no. Street. <laughs> oh all right. We shall return. Mark Wicker at Augusta will be with us when we get back. Mark Wicker back in Augusta, where every God-fearing sports writer prefers to be at this time of year. How's the weather forecast? We can have any mud down there or not? Uh, it's supposed to be thunderstorms in the morning, and it's supposed to rain on Sunday, I mean Saturday, and then maybe a little bit on Sunday morning, but that is subject to change, as you know. Well, it's uh, certainly uh, beats where they're trying to play baseball at this time of year. I thought they might be scamps and put the revitalized Phil and the revitalized Tiger better back together in a uh, threesome on uh, Thursday and Friday, but I guess they uh, didn't do that, huh? No, they uh, they had them playing together today. I think they're practicing for the uh, 2038 uh, ceremonial first. <laughs> oh, they did. They went out and played together today. Oh yeah, they were uh, they were buddies today. They even played on the same team against Fred Couples and Thomas Peters, and apparently took their wallets. So, really? Uh, okay. Well, there's uh, Tiger is uh, you know Tiger's forty two, and he's been through so much. I guess he figures he doesn't have anything to prove by you know hating Phil anymore. Anyway. So uh, <laughs> there, and you know they got to know a little bit. They got to know each other a little bit when Tiger was a vice captain on the Ryder Cup team, and um, so they're uh, yeah, it's kind of like Nicholson Palmer, maybe, yes, maybe not right. to that extent, but uh, maybe, maybe it'll get that way. So, uh, you know, Wick, you've covered a lot of these. You think there's more great players right now than there's ever been? Well, I don't know about ever because you know you that era when uh, you know we had Watson and Nicholson, Irvin, Irwin, sure. and Trevino, and. And all those guys together, Johnny Miller and Weisskopf, and I mean, that, you know, that was that was really a tremendous um, era when Nicholas was coming up. He had to beat so many great players, but I think it's a lot better than it was when Tiger came here. And you know, and, and you had a bunch of guys who weren't in shape and really weren't uh, weren't that dynamic. And uh, you know, I, I think it's I, I think there's probably better players 25 and under now than there than there have been in a long time. 
and uh, more are coming. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think that's why everybody's excited. You know, so many of them are playing well, and, and you forget even, you know, John Rahm won a tournament in January, and nobody's talking about him because, you know, McElroy and, and – uh, and Thomas and the others have played so well since then, and Bubba Watson. And uh, so it's uh, you know guys are kind of laying in the weeds. I mean, I've never I haven't heard Patrick Reed's name yet. And yes, he's the kind of guy who is starting to play well and could come in here and, and just take the place by storm. So uh, there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, and it, it can oftentimes turn into a putting contest. And Reed, uh, when he's rolling it, as we saw at Hazeltine last year, uh, he can do it with the best of them. Yeah, oh yeah, and uh, you know, and then you know, Justin Rose, even though his record here in the last seven or eight years has been great, um, you know, I, I think people have an eye on him, but I think more people are, are looking at Bubba and and Thomas and Tiger and Phil. It is an amazing sport that the uh, that the slumps can be so severe for greatness. Now, part of that is that uh, you, it's just not you playing against uh, one person, but a guy like Bubba. I mean, he disappears, and we the obits are being written, and now uh, he's probably co-favorite going into here. Yeah, I really, you know, he's been very vague on why he lost all that weight. I think he, you know, part of it was being sick. Part of it was just, uh, he just, I think it just affected his swing and affected everything about him. But with him, it's always been whether he's he's focused, you know, and not to use the cliche there, but he, I think it really does apply to him because he's got a lot of uh, ADD about him. And, uh, you know, when he's when he's plugged in and, and he, he enjoys playing in a tournament like Riviera where he's played well in the past, of course here he's played well and he's coming in here playing well. So I'll be surprised if he's not a factor, but, uh, the other thing about him is that when he gets close, he usually wins. His playoff record is great, and um, um, you know, he, it, it, having a swing that's kind of your own kind of <laughs> frees you up a little bit. You're not worried about all the checkpoints; you're just out there playing. I've never seen anything like it. That left-handed cut, man. <laughs> never he hits no. it. He hits it so far right to hit it left, and it, it doesn't cost him any distance either. It's amazing. You know, I think that's one thing. Tiger, you know, Tiger is, is basically teaching himself now, and and I think that's a good thing. You know, instead of you know trying to tire somebody to straighten him out every six months, he's, he's he knows his own swing now a lot better, and it's a lot less violent than it was, and I think it's probably a, more, a lot more solid than it's than it's been, and and uh, so I think that's that works in his favor here too. As uh, he's not, uh, he's really good when he doesn't have to hit that driver too often, though. Uh, when he's he's hitting that driving iron now, and uh, when he when he's played really good, he hasn't. He he still uh, hits that some strange places every once in a while. Cost him the tournament uh, a couple of weeks ago. He had a shot. Yeah, Bay Hill. When in Bay Hill, he hit the one out of bounds. But uh, I think the one thing about him that even from the beginning at Torrey Pines, when he was really feeling his way, is his short game was so good. And he was able to kind of make par out of nothing, which is what he did when he was really a great player. That was the best thing he did was make those par putts because it was demoralizing for the people playing around him. Yeah. And, and he still got that knack for doing that. And, I, you know, I just think, you know, it's hard to judge a person by his press conference performance. But he's, just, he's just a lot more relaxed. He's not, he's not in a three-point stance anymore when you ask him something. He's not on message all the time. 
And uh, I think he's just relieved to be able to play at this level again. I think in his own mind, he, he assumed that he wouldn't ever get back here like this. And it's, uh, you know, even though the TV ratings and the galleries and everything, it's all about him. It's really, I think he knows it's not all about him anymore, right? I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. 10 other guys out there playing golf that uh, people are just as, the people who are actually golf fans are just as curious about. Well, he brings in the non-golf fan, yes. and I think that's fine. You know, but you know, it's interesting. He played well in Tampa and Bay Hill, but you know, the Paul Casey and McElroy didn't just disappear and and and, yep. and dissolve like guys used to when Tiger would get on the leaderboard. I mean, the whole field would have a nervous breakdown whenever he started playing well, and and they didn't. And I think that's because these young guys they haven't been through that ringer of getting their brains beat out by him like Ernie Ells and Nicholson and those guys did, you know, in his heyday. Now, what happens here on Sunday if he's in contention on the back nine and starts making a move? Because people here want to see him win. They're so into the history of it. They would love to see this this happen. And the noise around here would be pretty intimidating, maybe even like the old days. And it'd be interesting to see how this new generation would handle that. I think Spieth would handle it, and I think most of them probably would, but you never know until it happens. Mark Wickers with us, LA Daily News. Hey, Wick, uh, he's more popular now than he was when he was winning. <laughs> I mean, the 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 neutral people who were always, oh, uh, you know, that uh, didn't like to see him win as much as he did, are everybody's in on this comeback now. Well, that was the same thing with Nicholas, you know. Yeah. I mean, they hated him. They absolutely despised him. And uh, then he, the older he got, the more popular he got because it reminded him of when they were young, you know. And, and I think that, you know, if, if there are any young golf fans uh, and, and they aren't attached to a guy like Fowler and, and, guy like, and guys like that, I think they look at him as a guy that, you know, their dad's told him about. And, and um, you know, everybody, you know, the careers are so long in golf that you can make these comebacks. And, yeah. uh, and like Sergio last year, I mean, nobody yeah. – Everybody had written him off because he would never win a major. He'd written himself off, and um, he came in here and won. So, you know, the stories that these guys kind of weave for themselves um, take a long time, and you can never really write anybody off. You know, Ken Venturi in 1964 was a great example of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, everybody wants the great story, and, and, of course, there would be no better story than Tiger Woods winning here. Yeah, and uh, of course the the amazing thing about Sergio is you uh, you you never felt that he could make enough putts to win at that place <laughs> that he no. you know and he's he's in the woods where his hero spent his whole career on the day of uh, Seve's uh, the anniversary of his death right or was it his birth yep, I can't remember. Yep, yeah. It was An- death, yeah anniversary of his death and he's in the woods on 13 and he's dead just like Seve would and he, I mean sometimes there's a mystical power of golf here that's amazing yeah that's when he really won the tournament because Rose was in position to birdie it and he didn't and Sergio made a par and that's that's why Rose didn't win now Sergio still had the eagle and everything but that kept Rose from leading by four or five in which he would have won a tournament but um funny thing about that is Sergio is they named their daughter Azalea which is the name of that hole and uh, he had asked his wife you know they they had the baby in March and uh yes his wife said I want I want to name this after something I want to name the baby after something that reminds us of your major championship 
Uh-huh. And they they settled on Isaiah, which is a very nice name for a girl. But Sergio said, "I'm I'm glad I didn't win at Shinnecock." <laughs> yeah, well, that's another. There's another comeback. Grumpy old Sergio, who was the world was against him, now has become Mister Charm. Well, he had a pretty good year. You know, yeah. he got married, had baby, uh, wore the green jacket to. Barcelona, Real Madrid games, and Wimbledon, and <laughs> everywhere else in the world, wore it to his wedding reception, and you know I don't think anybody enjoyed winning the Masters more than he did. How about Phil? Is uh, I mean this is uh, this is pretty. We forget how old this guy is, man alive. He's playing good, you know, and and uh, at least he was. I mean, he had a very typical Houston tournament where he made triples and doubles and birdies and eagles, but uh, again, you know, he's won here three times and. And the short game never leaves him. I mean, that's that's the amazing thing about his career. Most of these guys, yeah. at some point, the short game goes away. Now, Phil has never been a great putter, in my opinion, but he's always been a great chipper and wedge player and and uh, rescue artist. And, and the fact that he still knows how to do that. And his long game is probably better than it was a couple of years ago. I mean, he... You know, he won in Mexico, but he was he was getting close to winning before that. He, was, he had some pretty good results, so... Um, you know, the fact that he's, he's got the type of swing and, and, and yeah, athleticism, even though he doesn't look very athletic, he, he's never really been hurt, you know, and he's 47 years old. So, um, you know, he's, he's definitely one to watch. And again, that would be a great story too. You know, him winning four and joining that group would, would really be, uh, would be something that would if people get excited about. Uh, Rory got it rolling and, uh, and, uh, won a tournament, uh, uh, but uh, do you think he can putt well enough to uh, to uh, win there? Well, it's been that's been the the, the hang up, uh, along with you know making key mistakes and and you know he's he's too young to feel the pressure of this yep. being the only one he hasn't won. But I think it's still there. I mean, people ask him about it. I think it's always going to be there until he does it. And the fact that he should have won that one that he where he ended up next to the cabins. Yes, yeah, sure. he won, <laughs> definitely should have won that one. And and you never get those back. But um, you know, we were talking earlier about you know if he took all these great players today or good players today and said, okay, if they're all playing at their best, who's the best? And I think it's either him or Thomas. You know, those are the two guys that can go out and shoot sixty threes easier than anybody else can. And if, when they get hot, I think they get hotter than everybody else. And so, you know, he only has to do that one round here uh, to to win. And, and uh, you know, having won at Bayhill, I think, um, you know, it certainly gives them confidence. Hey, Mark, thanks for your time. Have a good tournament, sir. Thank you, sir. All Talk right. Uh, the great Mark Wicker, uh, L.A. Daily News, and uh, a... He wouldn't miss Augusta if the if he had a hitchhike to get there from L.A. He loves uh, he loves Augusta. I, I covered it eighteen times. I loved it too. Yeah, I can't beat a little springtime down there at Alice Beam's house where oh, we man. used to stay. We stayed at Alice Beam's place, and uh, we would she would always leave us a couple of nice pies, Southern pies. Really? Yeah, Alice Beam was a good landlady in Augusta. We shall return. Here's Johnny Height with a sports update. Thanks. This update sponsored by Dell. Small businesses get tailored tech solutions when they partner with Dell, plus free shipping and a price match guarantee on everything, including laptops with Intel Core processors. Call 877 by Dell. Wolves. 
Pardon me, that's my fault. I jumped the gun there, sorry. Wolves all-star Jimmy Butler close to coming back after injuring his right knee against Houston February 23rd. He took full contact in today's practice. Uh, First things first, though, he'll need to get final game clearance from the team doctors. The Timberwolves currently hold the seventh spot in the West playoff race. Four games remaining in the regular season. Uh, Butler did say the Wolves need to play with more toughness and said it's on each individual player to find that extra gear this time of year. He said that no coach can get that and uh, desire that want and desire from a player. They have to bring it themselves. Point guard Jeff Teague still sidelined with a sore knee. He did practice a bit today, but didn't take any contact. He sat out the loss to Utah on Sunday. You got to play hard for 48 minutes That's each, and a, every, each and every day. That's terribly interesting, John. Uh, I was watching MLB Network. They uh-huh. just did a preview of the Joe Paterno movie that's and coming Al out. Al Pacino looks just like he it's looks creepy. Ex- it's exactly yeah. like Paterno. Yeah. Yep. Yep. My God! So is that? I think, a, it, I think it's out already. I think it's available already. Is that an HBO uh, thing? It's an HBO thing. Yeah. Well, I'm have to resubscribe to get that because he looks exactly like yeah. Paterno. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of scary. Wow. <laughs> The Twins are off today. They'll play Pittsburgh again tomorrow night before coming home to play their first home game of the season Thursday against Seattle at Target Field. If you're wondering, the forecast for Thursday, partly to mostly sunny with a high of 36 degrees. The Twins are 2-2 two and two on the young season. We do have some day baseball today. The Royals beat the Tigers one to nothing. A guy by the name of Jacob Junis. Who? Jacob Junis. Never heard of him. Maybe it's Jakob Junis. I okay. Don't know, but it's, anyway, he went seven for the Royals, only gave up three hits. Uh, Tampa Bay and the Yankees are playing in a very inclement Yankee Stadium. It's one to one in the third. Uh, four to one. Your guy, Didi oh. Gregorius, hit a three run homer so for the pinstripes. Four to one, Yankees. I stand corrected. And Seattle uh, at the moment shutting out San Francisco four to nothing. That's only after two innings. Uh, Is actually, that kid uh, pitching for. San Francisco, the guy who shut out the Dodgers, yeah. the opener? Yeah, block. block. Yeah. How do you like the new look from Brian Wilson, Patrick? The beard is gone. I like it. I like it. That, uh, who's the frightening guy? Oh, that uh, the guy from the... The guy from the... Uh, Charlie Blackman, he ought to be put in the home. He's, uh, There's yeah. something wrong with him. He's got the mountain man <laughs> yeah. thing going on. we got a lot of hair in yes. baseball. Ted Kaczynski, man. He yeah. looks like Ted Kaczynski's <laughs> illegal offspring. <laughs> Illegitimate offspring. Yes. Uh, I do have some uh, Vanimal news for you. Okay. Vance Worley has exercised the opt-out clause in his contract with the Reds. He had inked a minor league deal with Cincinnati in he January. He didn't even make the Reds. No. The no. glory days of the Twins when he was your <laughs> opening day starter. That was the there. Did 35 degrees. The, did he get out of the second? How far did he go? And that when he opened for oh, the yeah, Twins? One and two-thirds or something. I, I think he, he lasted a little longer than that. I think he lasted a little longer than mm-hmm. that. I just I was too busy shivering that day. <laughs> well, it'll be worse, uh, worse Thursday. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Worley now is thirty. Uh, he only thirty. Only thirty. Uh, wow. He couldn't crack. Oh yeah, that. he was a young up and coming star when we had him. A young fat up and coming star. <laughs> He's an eight year MLB veteran. Surrendered eight earned runs in eleven and two thirds innings in the exhibition season, which is why he did not make the Cincinnati roster. He opposed Justin Verlander that yeah. day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk That's about a mismatch. Yeah, a bit of a mismatch. A little bit. Uh, Tiger Woods makes his much-anticipated return to the Masters alongside Britain's Tommy Fleetwood and Australian Mark Leishman on Thursday in the opening round, according to Tee Times announced today. Augusta National Golf Club will send off the 14-time major winner, a four-time Masters champ who's missed the past two years battling back injuries, and his partners off to the first tee at 10.42 a.m. 
followed by Sergio and Justin Thomas and the reigning U.S. Amateur Champion at 953. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a little later, right after that, Bubba Watson, Henrik Stenson, and Jason Day. Uh, the NFL, I'm, uh, is this a big deal? The NFL investigating a photo released on social media claiming to be a leak of the new Titans' new uniforms. They weren't supposed to be released till tomorrow, oh, but apparently... Oh, my God. Yeah, Why in the hell I is know. that a story? And we're investigating who? Uh, they don't know. They're trying to find out who leaked it. The Titans are set <laughs> to... This will be discussed on NFL Live! <laughs> the Titans are set to unveil the new unis, which will feature jersey and helmet changes during a downtown Nashville street party tomorrow night. <laughs> who scooped them? The Titans and NFL have no official comment on the possible jersey leak or... Hey, yeah, I want the scoop, baby! Uh, where did one of the Nashville papers? Uh, no, a picture showed up online, actually. shows a Marcus Mariota jersey with a pointed number eight, a navy blue base. Whoever did it, congratulations. Yeah, I actually, we have lost our minds. Well, a league source said, uh, told ESPN there likely would be some form of punishment, which would be oh, up, to the, up to the yeah. employer. So This is a major infraction, John. Well, how are they going to find the person? Uh, they're looking. Apparently, they're investigating. I, I did see, and I saw a picture. Uh, there's not a whole lot of difference between that and the old jerseys. A little more dark blue, less light blue. Other than that, it's pretty much the same thing. If you don't hate the NFL, you aren't trying. That's 100% correct. <laughs> John, you got to go give us oh, traffic. Thanks for and, reminding you know, I don't, me. I'm not sure you even checked, to be honest, because you keep saying the traffic's moving well. Yeah. There Kenny, you're lying, John. Kenny, I'm not, Kenny always is creating crises in our mind. You're you calling it apocalyptic. You know, look up at that camera how many cars you guys see. About five? There is no traffic. Well, no, see, what Patrick's trying to get at, John, is that Kenny creates Kenny job makes, security. Oh, sure, sure yeah. he does. Buddy. I don't need to make job security. Okay. You already got it, John. <laughs> All right. And it ain't this one. <laughs> 11 to 5 stretch. DiVincenzo breaks their heart. <laughs> Holy dagger! How about the biggest stage, the brightest lights? Look at this. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. All right, Dante DiVincenzo was fantastic last night for Villanova. Uh, no contest against Michigan. They jumped them early and often, and it was uh, no no game. Villanova unchallenged at the Final Four. The only time they really were challenged was by West Virginia in the Sweet 16, and then they pulled away late in that game. So uh, DiVincenzo wins the most, uh, gets 31 points, 7 for 10 on threes, 10 for 15 from the field. And uh, gets 31. He's the most outstanding player. And then it is discovered that on his Twitter, on a former Twitter account that was active, it was still there, but he hadn't tweeted in two years or three years or something. He had in there uh, that uh, from some game he'd played on something, balling on these N words like I'm Derrick Rose. And apparently, that's a line out of a Meek Mill track. Yes. And Meek Mill is a rapper, I take it. From and, Philadelphia. And he had uh, that, that, that song, uh, tune, had come out a week earlier. Yes. Well, I just looked it up. Uh, he was born on, this tweet took place on 8-23-11. Okay? Mm-hmm. 
He was born on January 31st, 1997. <laughs> so he was 13 and a half uh, when he did this. Uh, and apparently there were a couple other shaky tweets from that period. Yeah. Do we... He's now 21. Do we still... Do we... Is that a big story seven years later? Well, when, he was, has a, when he was 13 and a half, he did something stupid on Twitter? Well, I, I can think, answer. I don't think it's a big story. I, this is the first time hearing of it. Mm-hmm. I well, think it was the... Well, it was the... Uh, what's, what's the what's the account? The uh, old player tweets yeah. account where mm-hmm. they go back... Because they, they did yeah. it with... Um, Carson Wentz. Yeah, Carson Wentz. They yeah. tweeted out something like, go Vikings or something when he was like 16 or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, they they, they go back a, to athletes' this old is tweets a, from years ago hell, and retweet them. Tweets about Twitter was about two years old when this was going on, right? Yeah. And this is just people trying way too hard, I, I think. Well, and, you know, they went back and found it, but for this now to, it was on the menu of ESPN. You're uh, the, kidding The front me. page of menu on this thing. He was 13 and a half. I'm not defending him. I have no idea what his But he's a dumb is. kid at the time. Yeah, but he was 13. And right. Well, right. You're stupid. He's now 21. Now, Villanova didn't help him because they immediately, their sports information department said his account was hacked. Well, it was seven years ago. And the kid came out and said, no, it's my account. I just, he said, I can't remember that, doing that, but that was my account. He did not claim it was hacked. And nobody, by the way, ever buys the my account was hacked no, lie. No, and they, what I'm saying is they're doing him more harm than than good. By, exactly by him then saying, "Well, he's trying to cover up, and he's not taking." You know, he's he stood up. Meanwhile, uh, uh, you know, that was a pretty good basketball team. It is shocking to me that we all we talked about all year in college basketball was parity. Right? Mm-hmm. There was no parity. <laughs> the fall three of the no. final four games were not there, good. There was no parity. No. These guys, uh, they they were way better than everybody else, and they are the Golden State Warriors. They they have you know I mean I know the Houston Rockets are the current disciple of this strategy of, of shooting threes. Shooting a bunch but of threes, yeah. Golden State started it by winning championships, right? Yeah. Villanova has now sh- shown that if you're not going to make 15 threes, you're in trouble, right? Yeah. You cannot, you know, you got to make 15 threes. And the one thing I at least hope as is is a result of what happened over this uh, this last weekend is that this is now going to become, I mean, I know that Villanova is going to have a one-and-done player here and there, but they constructed this team over several years, and I hope that mm-hmm. that now becomes the norm in Mostly college sophomores, basketball. Juniors, and yeah, they don't seniors, get any yeah. top fifty recruits. Well, and this none kid was a redshirt are... freshman yeah. when they won the title two years ago. Yeah, none mm-hmm. of these guys are uh, are top fifties. I don't think any of them are top fifty. And I hope that that's a, you know all the other coaches, well, yeah, the Shashevskys I mean, I mean, of the world, that will look and say, well, this is the way you construct well, the championship team. Well, if they, but, if but, they if they switch to making these kids go to go to college for two years. Yeah. Then it is going to start being like that because the one and done kids are going to be jumping, go jumping to the, the pros, league. or they're going to jump to the uh, to the G League. Yeah. Yep. yep. So they're not going to have any choice but to start recruiting kids that are going to stick around for a while. Yeah, it will be an interesting thing because Condoleezza and uh, her, her panel have to come out with something, and I certainly get the impression it's going to be two and done and give the high school kids a option of doing what baseball does. I, I really feel that that's what it's going to be. Are they going to anyway, have issues, though, keeping those kids eligible? What do you mean? If they're going two and done instead of just going for one year? Because, you know, 
We've always then joked they go to that, a Juco. Okay. Then they go to a Juco, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's quite a run. And you know who's proud? Mr. DuPont, the guy that... Uh, oh, yeah. The the, uh, the murderer who built the arena for them. Yes. So DuPont Arena out there at Villanova. So they he broke up They the, took the name off, though, didn't they? I think, we, I think yeah. we've now removed the name, yes. So uh, what was his name, John? I don't remember. John, he was... That he was, story wasn't that long ago. We talked was, about it after was, their he other... Was, he was not a well fellow. No, but, he was uh, not. But had some Villanova at the time had no idea that he was completely wacko, so... Anyway, uh, congratulations to Villanova. That was extremely impressive. We'll be back with This Day in History. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, This Day in History. Patrick? Annie, there's a big lobster behind the refrigerator. I can't get it out. This thing's heavy. Maybe if I put a little dish of butter sauce here with a nutcracker, it'll run out the other side. You know how to make it? I'm going to get my camera. Hold on. You know, I, I think if I could pry the floor up. We should have gotten steaks because they don't have legs. They don't run around. Great, great. Ah! 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 April 3rd, 1978, Annie Hall beat out Star Wars as the best picture uh, at the uh, Academy Awards, the 50th Annual Academy Awards. Uh, Woody Allen won for Best Director, won for the movie, and uh, also uh, he was nominated also as Best Actor, did not show up for the awards. I don't know what pompous uh, uh, thing he was uh, taking place at that time. At the time, the great Diane Keaton uh, playing Annie Hall was his girlfriend. He was dating adults back then. It was uh, very interesting <laughs> back, uh, back in those days. Uh, but uh, apparently the character of Annie Hall, and it is a great movie, the character of Annie Hall is based loosely on Diane Keaton because she was a bit of an airhead herself back then at the time. <laughs> and it was really Woody's start of all these high uh, falutin, uh dialogue movies about love and love lost because before that he just made funny movies bananas take the money and run his first movies might be the best movie ever made it's fantastic uh sleeper uh bananas uh it's uh you know in bananas he's playing a there's a dictator from from uh some country that gets shot and he's dying on the steps and he's got Howard Cosell interviewing the guy. <laughs> I mean, it was just really funny stuff. He made the more serious movies. Annie Hall was uh, was easily his best movie. Uh, won the, as I said, won the Academy Award on this date, April 3rd, 1978. Certainly doesn't have the image uh, now that he had then. That is for sure. But uh, that is a great movie if you haven't seen it, Annie Hall. And, of course, that's also the Christopher Walken character. D, uh, what was his name? D? No, the brother. Oh, God. The brother was, I can't remember. He's the brother, and he goes to visit the family, and Christopher Walken tells him that he's got this dream of when he's driving a car down the road, and he just... Dwayne veer, Hall. Dwayne. Dwayne Hall. Dwayne, and he just veers off and crashes in this fireball, and then the next scene is what he in the car sitting next to him traumatized as D as uh, Dwayne is driving down the road that's also the uh, that's also the scene where he says that's okay Dwayne I have to go back to planet earth right <laughs> great movie Annie Hall